0: the game of golf fascinating frustrating and the focus of today's show or at least that's what i try to take a swing at on this authentic avenue G-A-Tour Superstore, a retail network where you can get just about everything your golf game needs, except, I guess, a lower handicap. And today, we're on with Jill Thomas. Jill is their chief marketing officer, chief experience officer, head of e-commerce. If you want to know more about the brand, you got to talk to Jill. And that journey for her started in January 2020. So we talk about what happened after the first 75 days of her tenure, during which the world turned upside down, golf's momentum since then, and how it all plays into that great A word authenticity we expand on things like the transformation to modern marketing as well as explore why marketers if they're supposed to be the great chief storyteller of their business don't follow the story as often as a broad industry i thought that was an interesting discussion and then of course towards the end we also talk about her definition for the word and advice as to how to achieve it i've gotten more into golf over the last two years i even caught myself watching it the other day and it's possible you've tried it yourself in the last year or two at least once. And now you'll get to learn about the business side of it, at least from the retail perspective. So let's tee off, sit down, relax, and listen in as I get real with the PGA Tour Superstore and Jill Thomas. Hey, Jill, how you doing? Good to chat with you.
1: I am doing great, Adam. It's good to talk to you as well.
0: I have been a bigger fan of golf over the last year or two than I was historically. We're going to talk today about how that has been mimicked across at least the U.S., and of course, how it's colored your journey, the first thing that I want to do is to ask about that change that you've made, because anybody who goes on your LinkedIn can see, well, Joel was a leader in food and bev and hospitality in that way for a long, long time, and boom, all of a sudden, moved over to the PGA Tour Superstore. Why was that? And hey, some people might even be wondering, what is the PGA Tour Superstore? So I'm hoping you can enlighten me on both fronts to get started.
1: All right, that sounds great. So, well, let's start with what is the PGA Tour Superstore? Um, PGA Tour Superstore is a uh, privately held company owned by Arthur Blank, um, probably one of the greatest retailers of of our time, and uh, it is we are the largest specialty golf and tennis retailer in the country. Uh, that is our only focus. And um, we have about just about 50 stores and a great pathway to continue to grow. So that that tells you a little bit about what's exciting about the PGA Tour Superstore. Now, to be honest, when I joined, um, it was pre-pandemic, so I didn't see this incredible growth in golf. Um, I I I knew that um, you know golf is a game I have a lot of personal passion for. And I thought it would be really fun to help tell those stories and to get other people as passionate about it as I am. Uh, but I didn't see what was you know, coming just shortly, a few months after I started, which was this global uh, change in the way people see the game from a game where I have to, uh, you know, a hard game where I have to sort of hit a, a little white ball into a hole more into this opportunity to uh you know, socially um, connect while physically distancing and be outside and and mind, body, and spirit and all the great benefits of the game that I think a new audience is discovering uh, or our current you know our existing audience is rediscovering. So that's sort of the who the PGA Tour Superstore is. And then you know my story is simply this: I you know I have great passion for great brands and brands that have the opportunity to tell a great story. And that really transcends any sort of industry. Um, I I guess if you look at what is consistent about these industries is they're fun and they're lighthearted. And um, in my, my mind, food service in particular is a great place for a marketer to be because there's so much marketing that is happening. You know, both um, strategically and tactically, and digitally and socially, and all the ways that we like to connect brands with consumers and consumers with brands. So, it's for me, uh, you know, I, I really feel very fortunate to have worked in food service. And what is, again, cool for me, I've, I had a, a, the opportunity to work both on the brand side, like at PepsiCo, as well as on the retail side and some of the um, you know, the chains that I've worked with. Um, and then on the, you know, a brand side, like or a brand like Cinnabon, which is brand, it's CPG, it's, it's uh, retail, it's all the things. So just a great training ground and a great way to, to do a lot of marketing um, in food service. So um, the trans, you know, the move to the PJ Tour Superstore was really pretty, a pretty easy decision for me because one the ownership to the growth, my own personal passion for the game, and then finally this opportunity to really transform the business into a more modern marketing um, organization, and that was really what was most exciting to me. Uh,
0: Arthur Blank, for folks who who don't know exactly who that is, if you go on Wikipedia right now, you, you'll see um, co-founder of Home Depot owns the Atlanta Falcons, so very big in the Atlanta world. Uh, also the owner of uh, Atlanta United, if you're a soccer fan like me, and now. Into golf, uh, which is, uh, as I said, a game that I'm getting a little bit more excited for. I do want to talk about who tends to like golf or historically and then how that's changed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask that in a little bit because, like, frankly, Joe, between you and me and everybody else listening, like, for a long time, I kind of just thought golf was like where business was done. A lot of mm-hmm. old white folks, cigars, things like that. So, uh, you know, I, a lot of people maybe had that perception. Obviously, last year, people want to get out, you want to do something recreationally. Golf was also one of the first and only things available. But I want to talk about that and this related momentum in just a second. Let me, let me ask you a question about going back to the story as opposed to the business. There are certain industries that I've observed. Uh, I think CBG's is one of them. Tech is definitely another one. And tech is so broad, you'd be like, well, I'm not in that kind of tech. I'm in this kind of tech. But whatever. Let's just say tech broadly. Once somebody gets that broad vertical expertise, it's been my experience just from observation that they tend to stay there. Following the story, while interesting, for most people, seems to have a limit within those, let's say, two walls of the vertical left and right. Why don't more people, if marketers really are like the chief storyteller, why don't they jump industries more often? Do you think that's just like a sign of the times where last year meant a lot of industries had to rethink what they did and who they brought in? Or do you think that it's more of a personal change where folks have Seen the last couple of years and thought, why not now to change what I do, regardless of what the industries want.
1: I think it's probably a little of both. I, you know, I will say in food service, and um, re- restaurants in particular, it there's a it's a, it's really kind of a small world, and there is a level of comfort and truly understanding uh, that business, and it's a little different because product in the restaurant world is owned by the marketing team. Generally, you, you usually own the menu. And so there's an innovation component that you get to drive, which is pretty cool. Um, but I think really while why why you're seeing some change in that in that, you know, in that old way of like you stick in one industry is because I think business is starting to understand that we are the chief storytellers, and that transcends industry. And it kind of gets back to, to me, what the core of your podcast is all about, this idea of authentic, authentic brands and authenticity, which means it's not about the product or the industry as much as it is the, the consumer and the need that you're solving and your real purpose. Like, what is the purpose? So we've talked about this before, but, you know, again, I use Cinnabon as a great example. If you think it's about selling cinnamon rolls, you're absolutely incorrect. It is about uh, a moment of respite in a crazy world. It's about just escape and um, just, a, you know, just kind of it's, it's an amazing uh, product that when you're in a crazy mall or environment like that, if you can, you know, stop and enjoy this this moment, it's just a moment. And in our crazy world, that's important. Um, so same with golf. If you think you're selling golf clubs, you know, then you, you know, that would make changing industries hard um, because, well, I, you know, I, I know about golf clubs. But if you start to realize that we're not really selling golf clubs, what we're selling is access to a really cool experience that allows people to physically distance, socially connect. It can be very social. It's about building community. It's about connecting with nature. It's It can be mind, body and spirit if you don't take it too, too seriously. I mean, um, you know, there's certainly those who are very serious about their game and maybe they don't find it, you know, peaceful. But for most of us who are are recreational golfers, you know, when you're standing out there in the middle of of nature, it's just there's something really about well-being that is important. And and if you start to, to, to think about it in that way. And get under the purpose of any of these brands in any of these industries, you then really can tell those stories in a compelling way. And and to me, that's when brands just find their magic. And you know, I'll I'll use a Chipotle as a great example. You know, they're not trying to sell you a a, a burrito. They're trying to you know help you improve your lifestyle. And you know you know they really are underneath. The, the more of the core and the purpose of the brand and not so much about the product itself. Of course, the product has to deliver. Um, and that's one great thing about the PGA Tour Superstore. Our stores are beautiful. They're well lit. They're big. We have a lot of assortment. We have really well-trained, helpful associates who live the values of, of and the culture that Arthur Blank has created, which is a very purpose-driven um, brand. And so that makes it very easy for me to tell those beautiful stories and drive people into that environment because I know that when they get there, they'll, it'll you know it all pay off. The story will will be true. So um, so to me that that's probably has something to do with it, but you know that's that's my own personal experience.
0: The story has certainly become a priority, hopefully the priority for most, but certainly a priority for many, and. What the thing represents rather than what the thing is, yeah. is where people who are great storytellers thrive. I'm glad you're doing that for PGA Tour Superstore. And now I'm glad that you have that beautiful show to bring, to bring people back into. I'm going to ask about what happened there last year when you couldn't do that. I never imagined that even if you were a marketer dedicated to just selling golf clubs and nothing else, I don't think that you would have planned to do so in a parking lot. But we'll come back <laughs> to that and we'll stick to those who are doing marketing in a modern world very, very well. By the way, listeners, if you want to go into a deep dive on Chipotle, you can check out the episode that came out on December 10th of last year, in which we did that from a social perspective. But let's talk very briefly about marketing in the modern world here, Jill. And what I mean by modern world is maybe just the world of the last year or two. And to talk about it broadly, where I have seen the most memorable marketing campaigns, agencies, businesses, uh, progress was a world of You know, probably the mid 1900s, where it was like, look at all the great features of this golf club, you know, whatever it is. Then it's the the Marlboro Mans and the spokespeople, and it became really flashy campaigns. And then, of course, with the age of social and digital, that brought in a whole new way to express yourself quickly and easily to younger generations. But over the last year or two, it has definitely been a little bit different, even from that. Again, the story and the purpose. And the how the thing makes you feel is on top, as I just said. You've talked about this. You've called it the transformation to modern marketing. In your mind, what, what is that all about? Because I'm an observer. I'm I'm not I'm not in the marketing world every day. At least not from the same perspective that you are. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit and and how you're carving out your corner of it.
1: Great marketers are really fairly industry agnostic. If you're customer focused, if you're disciplined. And you believe in one simple truth, which is if you ask the customer what they care about or what is important to them, and then you deliver that, that they will reward you. And I mean, to me, that is a very simple idea that sometimes gets lost um, in translation because we have products we want to sell or, you know, goals we need to hit. But I really try to live that and I try not to get too consumed by, you know, the the thing, and I really do try to focus on the bigger idea. And so, transformation to mar- modern marketing is really, to me, you know, the world is discovering what great marketers have known all along, which is if you are a customer-driven, customer-focused organization um, at, with a with a with a clear purpose that matters to to your audience, um, that is where success lives. And so modern marketing to me and that transformation is certainly uh, about digital and the ecosystem that we create. And sure, we have to build out our tech stack and we, we have to do those things um, to put data in the center of what we're doing. Um, but that for me is really just a modern facilitator of an idea that um, is, is, is an analog idea, which is the customer is at the center of everything that we do. Um, and it's it you know at the end of the day, um, what I mean when I say transforming this team and others that I've worked on to modern marketing, it is, um, it is the enablement. Digital provides the enablement, but it's the evolution from cost center to revenue driver. Meaning the old school marketing, caught co- you know is seen as like it costs us money. We spend money on marketing, versus seeing your marketing partners as as a strategic thought partner who can help us drive um, drive the business and also creates revenue um, on their own, and and you know that's really about connecting the customer, leveraging the data and the insight to move beyond a transaction to a relationship. The better we manage that tr- relationship, the more value we can deliver, and and so we can deliver revenue and we can tie that revenue very specifically to our actions. So digital has enabled it, but really we've been on this mission for, you know, since the invention of, of marketing, you know, back in the fifties, you know, so, and the idea is, is really customer driven. So that's what I mean when I say transformation to modern marketing, it's a, uh, it's really, You know this awareness that people are now having hey wait marketing is more than pretty pictures we actually uh can deliver results
0: well i uh, appreciate your your thoughts on this and also uh listeners there's a great visual to go along with it which i can't do here because it'd be bad radio but when we first talked about this as an example of it jill held up a book that said f the funnel on the front of it which i thought was very funny
1: (laughs) what are your stack of books
0: right now that you're reading to help you along this journey i'm curious
1: well, you know it's funny, I, you asked that because I am a voracious reader. I am a you know, I have i I never am satisfied that I have all the information I need. Um, I am reading this book of the Funnel um, by Jeff Pedowitz, and I'm super excited to read it. Um, it really speaks to what we're talking about. Um I am trying to learn more about AI. It's a little advanced topics for our brand right now. Um, but I always am trying to sharpen the saw i I read everything uh I never assume I know anything. I listen to podcasts religiously i yours in particular I listen to um I read I read white papers I'm on LinkedIn all the time downloading the newest latest information and I just really try to you know stay on top of my game. It doesn't mean that we're we are not an advanced digital uh marketing. Uh, team yet. You know, we're moving in that direction. We're a pretty small brand, you know, all things considered. So AI is is not, we're not quite there yet. You know, we've got some foundational work to do, but I am, you know, I always want to know what's the thing. And then, and then I try to just, you know, I like to read about what marketers, like what, what was underneath some of the great ideas. You know, Chris Brandt, H-Foli is one of my I think he's one of the greatest marketers uh, in in the business right now. You know, I I really try to know who's doing, you know, who's leading what brands. Uh, to your earlier point, a lot of great marketers go from one brand to another. We just saw that with uh, our friend Fernando Machado at Burger King moving to right. a different industry. Yeah, talk about and, industry change, yeah. Yeah, right. And that to me is he's a great storyteller. That goes back to your first point. Um, he can he can he can do anything. so anyways that's 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 sort of what's on my reading list i have a it's long
0: (laughs) well maybe we'll get a list of that and put it in the show notes or something but for now let's talk about uh, how uh, golf has changed over the last year or two and i'm not just talking about the tech innovations it doesn't take long if you are captured by the algorithm on tiktok to see for example a top tracer show a great golf shot uh we're certainly a far cry from uh, almost exactly five years ago when Eldrick, the golf robot, hit a hole-in-one on the 16th at the Waste Management Phoenix Open in Scottsdale. But over the last year or two, that change has been much more foundational, not only in the feeling that you get when you're out, but the ability to play. And that extends to the rest of the golf world, including yours. You joined the PGA Tour Superstore in January of 20. so you had about two months and a week worth of normalcy. Before the whole world got thrown
1: upside down. What was that like? Yeah, it was it was crazy. By the way, you're a great golf historian. I like that about you. Um <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I was so excited about this role and this opportunity, and I could see that there was a great opportunity to evolve the the marketing function here. And I had you know I read all the books the you know the first ninety days i was I had a plan I really wanted to do this exactly the right way i my thought was I would come in and I would be pretty silent you know listen, 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 and learn as much as I could, really try to understand um you know the organization, the culture, all those things and I was kind of cruising along in that at that in that path and I had already Made some a couple presentations to our leadership team about my vision for how I wanted to see things change. And I'll be honest, you know, I think in those early days, there was a little bit of, oh, that's that's cool. That's neat. You know, wouldn't that be nice? You know, kind of like, OK, back to the our regularly scheduled program. And and I was like, okay, that's fine, because that's part of the learning process is is the cultural understanding of, you know, where you're trying to take things. And and that gave me a signal, which was it might it might take me a little bit longer, you know, because I have to educate and I have to influence and try to help people understand what we're what we want to be, you know, where the direction we want to move to. And then to your point, the world turned upside down. And so then all of a sudden all those things I had been talking about personalization and data and data driven insights and putting the customer in the center of what we're doing. And all those things that I had been talking about became absolutely critical. And, um, and, 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 you know, so in that, in that very short period of time, it was less than 90 days. um, I went from, let me sort of like sit back and, you know, take my time here to, a huge sense of urgency, and that and that really changed changed a lot of of what we were doing.
0: It's probably great then that you already had a good deal of e-commerce experience mm. coming in, but once things did settle in, let's say first quarter, maybe even second, well, probably second quarter of twenty. I would have to think that also served really great because like we're otherwise. You would sit there and and listen and sponge for a while and then take thoughtful action with everybody looking around and being like, "What should we do? You must have had a hell of a lot more agency from not day one but maybe day seventy five than most
1: absolutely I mean, you know at the beginning uh, it was you know we're an experiential retailer. we take great pride in that, and our our mission is to drive people into the store we want to Talk to people about their game. We want to understand what their actual needs are. We don't just want to sell them products. We want to really customize their um their product set based on their individual game and their needs and their goals for their own game. And you know, certainly there's like really some cool digital ways you can do that in the virtual world, but when you your core focus is is in store, those feel like ex like ex expenses that maybe you're not quite ready to take on. But that was what was required, you know, once we started closing our doors. I mean, it was very obvious to me what was about to happen. So to your point about my e-commerce background was extremely helpful um, and, and just sort of a digital mindset anyways. But it was, um, you know, I just immediately kind of settled into, okay, we have to be extremely uh, nimble. We have to be extremely flexible. We have no idea what the future holds. So how can how can we you know position ourselves to really serve the needs of the business? You know so you know we were challenged by this duality. This how do you find a way to develop new and compelling digital experiences while ensuring we maintain our commitment to the experience in the physical store? That was that was where we started. That was before COVID. Right. and And honestly, some people here saw those as competing agendas. When I would talk about digital or digital experiences, some people were, would say things like, well, we want people to go into the store. Of course, we want people to go into the store. but this so this idea of how do you create a parallel virtual world that kind of delivers those same those same wonderful feelings and experiences as someone in the physical store? Um, but immediately as we began closing the store, it was evident that e-commerce was going to play this larger role in our response. And being from food service, for t- fortunately, curbside was the easiest thing. Uh, it, it came very early and it was like a no brainer. And we did it. And once we did that and the organization saw the incredible success that it enabled, it put all those other virtual experiences back on the table. So we did virtual lessons, virtual personal shopping. Facebook Live events. We added functionality to the website, True Fit for those who couldn't try things on. We added a variety of new payment convenience uh, options like Apple Pay and Quad Pay to make purchases more affordable. And the organization fully supported and got behind all those ideas and it, it, it really clearly paid off. So when you're reliant on just your physical space for a great brand experience, you know, taking that physical space out of, of service can present, you know, a pretty big risk. So having the, the digital footprint to com- complement the in-store experience is always the goal, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. For us, that journey continues, but it is elevated quite significantly because of our experience during the pandemic. And now this sort of recognition that you need to have both. And that is a, it's now, it's no longer a nice to have. It is a must have.
0: It's a must have, especially now, because once space was scarce, now it is opening up plenty more space, not (laughs) just inside the store, but on the course. So I'm curious because we are tiptoeing back to a 100% world. There's a heck of a lot of momentum to capitalize on. How are you doing that? And I can't finish this question without making a reference to having some fun along the way. I want you to tell me about, I believe how you described it, was the biggest unseen video of all
1: time. (laughs) Yeah, I did call it that, didn't I? Um, Well, listen, so very early, we recognized that golf just happened to be one of those things that was bringing some positive energy into people's lives in this time where so much not positive you know negative i don't want to say negative but just you know such a negative i mean it 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 was was pretty it was pretty awful right so you know all of a sudden we said you know what our purpose is no longer just to sell people stuff to enable them to play it it's also to be sam fan serving fans and have some fun with it so You know, we started in parallel to, uh, you know, all the things we were doing with e-commerce on the selling side. We also just really tried to amplify our social uh, voice. We tried to have more fun. We tried to be more present. We had to try to make people laugh and think of of new ways to to really kind of use golf as the as starting point but kind of bring it more into life experiences so we we created a lot of content that I'm really proud of and I say it's the least un- it's the most unseen because we're small and we don't have a big media budget but we did invest quite a bit in the content itself and um you know we we did you know one user generated spot that was about playing through which I know a lot of of golf brands have used that I really feel like we were the first to use that and and just this whole idea of like showing some positive moments about bringing families together, bringing spending time together, being outside, being, you know, healthy and in, in terms of ac- exercise and movement and um, mind, body, and spirit. So that was sort of the the, the like the the way we were moving forward. But the, the the greatest unseen video of all time is we created a two minute, two and a half minute mockumentary about the quiet sign guy so as you as you probably know if you're watching golf tournaments and the golf tournaments had come back but the fans weren't, weren't back and, and so which was a bummer because you know we love to get out there and watch our heroes play the game and and the marshals or the volunteers at at, mo- at every golf tournament there's you know upwards of 1200 volunteers at most of these major pga events they they weren't we didn't. They weren't back on the scene because they, um, you know, there were no fans there. So the quiet sign guy, or the guy who holds up the quiet sign, you know, what was he doing? What was he doing all this time? Because he takes that job very, very seriously. And so, you know, we wanted to highlight and feature what we thought the quiet sign guy might do. And and honestly, it is to me, it is hysterical. It is definitely you know, and the best of show kind of um, mockumentary style. There's a lot of little details and a little comments in there and little hints of of, you know, how seriously he takes his job. And I absolutely love it. It's something I'm super proud of. But I can't say, you know, it wasn't it certainly didn't go viral. And it, it certainly, you know, wasn't seen by millions of people, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of people. But it it. It to me is was really what the spirit of what we were trying to do, which is just to bring a smile to people uh, in a moment that they needed it. So <laughs> that's what well, it's about. Well, I think about. that's a
0: hell of a lot more of an authentic game than virality going for millions of views. Yeah, listeners, I'll put a link to it in the show notes here, and, and I'll and I'll I probably put it as a separate post on LinkedIn too, because I thought I saw it. I thought it was great.
1: <laughs> it's funny, so many um, noter- notables in our industry, Nick Faldo. The Golf Channel's Morning Drive um, uh, cast—they all d- did it. Everyone did it for no cost. Everyone was so willing to give us their time because everyone, and you know, want, was looking for ways to bring a smile to people's faces. And so, you know, we we were able to pull it off with some pretty um, there's some pretty famous voices and, and people in it. And and really, it was very you know reasonable in terms of how much we spent on it. Um, but I, again, I'm super proud of it. I would love that you would link it because I think more people should see it just to put a smile on their face.
0: Well, yeah, just to give them an idea of like what telling this story really is all about. I mean, there's nothing, no, no view count is going to tell you how genuine exactly. something is. This podcast doesn't have a million listeners. So that'd be cool, but it doesn't. <laughs> it's all about the conversations that we have.
1: Agreed. I didn't really create it for that purpose. We created yeah. it to really show that we understood what people were going through. And we understood, we understand the game. Like we know that the quiet sign guy is an important player in the world. Like people think about the professional golfer or the patrons at an event. Um, But those volunteers really make those events happen. And we wanted to sort of pay homage to them. So that was, what was fun about it.
0: Sure. That could be a building block of what authenticity is to you. I'm going to, I have two more questions here. It, questions that I ask most people. Last one, I ask everybody. The second last one, I don't really do it every time, but I, I, I kind of want to because I'm kind of working on this like one word dictionary where I'm asking people what they think of this word. So as the penultimate, let me ask you um, how you broadly think about this, this big A word, authenticity, maybe even how you define it. And if there are within that, like, I guess to use the nomenclature, like, can you use it in a sentence maybe? Can you tell me some of the, I'll say avenues because that's this show name, some of the ways in which PGA Tour Superstore manifests it?
1: authenticity is probably why i love your podcast and the purpose of your podcast because to me it is the most critical idea that we need to bring to the table as marketers or marketing leaders for our brands and and what it means to me is your the ability to step outside of yourself and outside of the product you are selling and really put the customer first and deliver those things that matter to them and, and find the way to connect the brand to the consumer and the consumer to the brand and tell those stories in a way that demonstrates that you get it. And, you know, so that it's a, it's a bit of a long answer. It's not a one word answer, but it really, for me, um, I, you know, I, 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 I like to use Cinnabon as an example because it's a brand everyone's pretty familiar with. And it's so iconic and, you know, in terms of the product itself, you know, it's a brand that's a 35 year old brand that's created by a pr- single product, which is, you know, pretty amazing. But it's not about the cinnamon role. You know, it is really about what it is a metaphor for. And if you think about who the consumer is for that product, primarily are those who drive the social conversation for Cinnabon. It is the most highly diverse most socially conscious highly educated as a young female primarily and oftentimes they don't actually even eat the product they just use it as a as a way to talk about their love of something it's like the ultimate sign of love and for once we understood that we understood that audience we were doing partnerships with the female quotient which is about You know, driving empowerment for women and in in businesses that are historically male driven, and and building confidence in young women, and it just like opens the door up to so many different ideas, and 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 that to me is the where authenticity is born. It's born in this true understanding of who do you serve, and what do they care about, um, and and more you know more importantly, not not those like you said, the, you know, the features and benefits truly in their heart. What is this about? And, and that to me is, is the root of authenticity. And that really today, if you are not an authentic brand, you know, you are really uh, got a tough, you got a tough putt as they like to say, because um, it is so obvious, I think in 2021 in the way that consumers get information and, experience brands and seek out, they're more proactive, they have access to so much more information. You really have to walk the talk and that's what authenticity is.
0: Well, I think that's a, that was a very thoughtful description, especially with using, using a little bit of terminology. Let, let, me, let me attempt to, to use some of my own here as I move to the last question, which is gonna be around advice. Lots of people that listen to this show, they're either marketing leaders already or they're people who are hoping to get there, folks who emulate your journey, Jill, for instance. And they are looking for ways in which the people they look up to carve their own avenues to authenticity. Because even though we are on the back end of these uh, awful, awful times that I refer to as negative, but, you know, there is some positive there. Let's just say that some folks who are either struggling to find a job or worried to jump or uh, feel like they're spinning their wheels feel like they might have a bit of a difficult lie. They're not quite sure where to go. Not quite sure how to define themselves. they're tied to other things as opposed to their own purpose and telling their own story or telling a story as opposed to a bottom line. You've had experience breaking out of that, and so I'd be curious to know as we close, how would you advise those folks on how to build their own avenues to authenticity, whether it be for themselves or for their businesses?
1: That's such a deep question and and you know I could be very vulnerable and tell you, you know when you're a a a person and a woman in business or you're the you know, trying to create a career uh, or support a family, you know, you might find yourself in a position where you're not fully fulfilled, but you feel you have obligations or the world is going through what we just went through. And therefore, your opportunities are more limited. I I would really give a couple pieces of advice um, to to especially, you know, specifically to marketers. Um, but I think the first piece is really to anyone and we spoke to it at great length, so I won't I won't over over speak to it, but really never lose your intellectual curiosity, become an expert at something. The world is at our fingertips through the power of the Internet and we can get education virtually and we can read and we can really um Kind of hone in our craft and our area, our point of view um, through through work. You know, through that intellectual curiosity. Read, read, read. Listen. If that's more your style, um, there's so many free and easy ways to continue to drive your education and learn and build connections and reach out to people. Um, you know, I, I guess that. Uh, that'd be a subset of it. You know, I I can't tell you how many people I connect to on LinkedIn and that I don't know that I just say, hey, I think what you're doing is awesome. And I'd love to like be a part of your network. And they never say no. You know, people reach out to me all the time and say that. And I always say yes, because, um, you know, I feel like it's my my part of my role and as a as a mentor and as a person who wants to help other people grow. Um, So, you know, don't be shy just get out there and ask the questions. So that's that intellectual curiosity is is I think applies to sort of anyone. But any marketer the most important piece of advice I would give is really understand that it isn't about digital or analog, it's about the customer, what they need and what they care about and always making it your priority to know and understand them and advocate for them always passionately even when someone challenges it. And so said differently, this idea of practicing radical empathy uh, for your customer, I think is the most important attribute a marketer can have today. And we have all kinds of cool ways to get that insight. Um, That's sort of neither here nor there. Really, it's the personal passion and commitment to advocating for for the customer always. So those are my two pieces of advice.
0: Now listeners, if you need, or if you're asking yourself, For example, let's go to that build a niche expertise and just reach out and ask questions. Do you need another proof point than what you're listening to right now? I mean, that is advice that I took even before I met Jill. Years ago, I thought if I just ask questions, I'll learn a ton. I'll develop something that I'm really good at and I'll build my own authentic journey that way. Now, it happens to be on the very A word that I build that authentic journey, but think about it for yourselves. Where can you this week Ask somebody who you look up to, who you admire. Who can you connect with? Who can you ask one question to? Start there and let it snowball. For now, you can listen to this as a proof point that it works. And this conversation today, uh, a great manifestation of it. Jill, I really appreciate you coming on, and telling me your story. Wow, what a wild ride you've had since your your move to PGA Tour Superstore. But I'm so glad that uh, that you guys are are firmly in the fairway for what's to come. And I, for now greatly appreciate your perspective. So thanks.
1: Thank you so much, Adam. It was a pleasure.
0: Before signing off here, I'm going to circle back to that advice bit for just a second. What Jill said is exactly what I did to build my niche expertise and ultimately a business, my authentic journey. Truly write down a couple people who you can reach out to this week and just send one note, one note. I think it'll pay off. Try it and let me know what you think. When you do, here's where you can find me and where you can stay in contact even beyond this episode. I'm on LinkedIn. That's where most of my social stuff happens. Adam Connor, Authentic Avenue. Follow both pages and you can write me an email, adam at authav A-U-T-H-A-V-E dot com. Let me know what you're thinking about the show, who I should have on next, and if podcasting is going to become part of your journey because I have plenty of expertise there to show you. I'm going to make the turn now, sign off, and I'll see you next week with another great story and marketing leader to learn about how that A word manifests itself in this world. And until then, I'm Adam Conner saying, until the next time I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.